Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in Christ's likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark, or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're the God of second chances, and I pray today that we would learn about um, the second chance that you offered to Barabbas that you also offer to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you've ever been caught for doing the wrong thing. Um, yeah, I'm sure like that's probably happened before. Chat to the person next to you. Have you ever been caught for doing the wrong thing? Uh, I remember when I was um, in preschool, and there was a kid called um, Daniel David Thorburn, and he got up on the play equipment, and he looked like he was just super optimistic and happy with life. And I was really, like, for some reason frustrated with that. So I got up behind him on the play equipment, and he was up, like, quite high, and I pushed him off the rails. And he fell down, and he actually broke his arm. Uh, and one kid pointed up and goes, it was him. And I got out of there. Um, and then Dad on the way home was like, now, I heard Daniel broke his arm today, and someone said it was you. And I said, no, it wasn't me. And for 16 years... Alex Turner took the blame um, until it was his 21st and he like, was sharing how, how he's carried his guilt for so long. And I finally couldn't hold it anymore. I said, it was me. And uh, finally confessed after 16 years. And it felt good, right? Um, well, I kind of got away with it. But you've probably seen the footage of Will Smith um, slap, slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. And we've all been watching as he faces the consequences, right? Yesterday, he resigned from the Academy of Motion Pictures. And I watched an interview with Jim Carrey where he lashed out at Will saying he should be behind bars and he should have to be sued for $200 million, right? And so, I know, like Like Jim, we long for a fair trial. Um, And when we see the war crimes in Russia at the moment... We long against Ukraine. We long for justice to be done. The bombing of like innocent buildings, civilian buildings. We also long for forgiveness. And Will Smith has apparently been apologising to um, the Academy of, and asking for forgiveness. And deep down, there are, for all of us, there are things that we're ashamed of. That maybe we've never told anyone about. And when we think about those things that we're ashamed of, the question that will come to our mind is, could we possibly be forgiven for those things? And I think there's no better passage to go to than to this one today. But first, a little context. So last week we saw Judas felt the guilt of betraying Jesus. And so he took his his guilt to the religious leaders. And instead of finding forgiveness, what did they say? What is that to us? See to it yourself. In other words, deal with your guilt yourself. And we know for Judas... His guilt was too much for him to carry. And in this week's passage, we see Jesus is on trial and the theme of guilt is picked up again. And we have a bunch of different groups. Some of them you just looked at in that activity. We've got Jesus, we've got the crowds, we've got the high priests and the elders and Jesus, right? Um, And Pilate. And we're going to be considering who's actually guilty here. Now, to help us think about this, we're going to be looking at irony. I don't know if you've done a bit of English and you've looked at what irony is, but it's pretty much... Words are used to convey the opposite of what's happening. And Matthew uses irony to help us actually see what's really going on. 
And so let's work through this passage and draw out some irony. And there are a bunch of questions. The first question is, uh, in verse 1, we're introduced to the governor who we learn is Pontius Pilate. Now, who had Pontius Pilate in their group? Who's the people that found, had him in their little sheet? Anyone have Pontius Pilate? Oh, there's no one that had Pontius Pilate? Oh, you mixed it up? Okay. So, well, what we know is he was the governor of Judea. And if you look at the passage, governor is mentioned five times in the previous chapter in this chapter. In other words, what God's trying, Matthew's trying to do is to show that there's a showdown between the Christ, so God's governing authority, and Caesar and his authority, right? And let's have a look at verse 12 to 14. But when he was accused, this is Jesus, by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. You've got the two most powerful groups at the time. You've got Pontius Pilate, the governor, and you've got the religious leaders. And they're all accusing Jesus. And what does he do? He remains silent. And Pilate knows Jesus' one hope for staying alive and not dying is that he gives a defense. But why does Jesus remain silent? Well, it's because he actually is the suffering servant from Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, it says, He was afflicted, but he didn't open his mouth. Like a lamb before the, the shearers is silent, he didn't open his mouth. But we know back in the previous chapter, he has said that he is the son of man who will receive all authority. He is the king of kings. But the interesting thing is, unlike the Roman authorities or unlike other authorities of the day, he uses his power, not for self-interest, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so here's the first irony. The one who appears as powerless is truly powerful. Now, in verse 15, a new character is introduced. At the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they then had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they'd gathered, Pilate said to him, who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. So Pilate had a custom they would release one person during the um, Passover. And you'd think generally you'd release someone really popular so that all the crowds would think he's a pretty great guy. But instead of making Jesus complete with some really popular guy, instead he finds the most hated person, someone they must hate more than Jesus, Barabbas. So who is Barabbas? Well, here he's a notorious, um, he's a notorious uh, criminal. In Matthew, he started an insurrection and he was a murderer. And So that's in Luke. And in John, he's a robber. So this is a guy that is on death row. He deserves death. He would have been more hated than Donald Trump was, right? Certainly the people would prefer Jesus than a notorious criminal like Barabbas back on the streets. So how did they respond? Verse 20. Now the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. This is shocking. The religious leaders are meant to be the guys, the examples, the shepherds, And they're clearly blind, for they seek to destroy their saviour and king. But there's something else that's really interesting. I don't know if you noticed it. Verse 20 introduces another group. It's the crowds. In verse 20, the elders persuade the crowd to destroy Jesus. And verse 23, do you know what they say? They shout, let him be crucified. 
But do you recall back in 21? The crowd was shouting something else. The crowd was shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So within a short space of time, the crowd has gone from saying, this is the Christ. Let's praise him to crucify him. Here's the fourth irony. The crowds that shout, the second one, sorry. The crowds that shout Jesus is the Christ now shout for Jesus to be crucified. They're caught up in mob mentality. They only believe as long as it suits them. And I don't know about you, have you ever felt the pressure to conform because all your friends are saying or doing the same thing? And I think that's the challenge for all of us. There's going to be times as a Christian where the crowd will go against Jesus. And there are times when you're going to need to stand out as a Christian and risk being disliked or even no longer be in the group anymore. And so it's worth just reflecting for yourself. When that time comes, when the crowd turns against Jesus, your friends turn against Jesus, are you going to accept the cost in that moment? Are you prepared for that moment? Returning to our passage, in verse 24 we read, So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. When the pressure mounts, Pilate True colours come out. He was merciful until it became risky. He was merciful until it became risky. And here is the issue Pilate faces. Washing hands can't cleanse a guilty soul. All the water in the world cannot wash blood and guilt from our hands. Only blood removes blood. And so here is irony number three. Pilate washed his hands, saying he's innocent of Jesus' blood, But the only way one could be innocent is to be washed by Jesus' blood. So how does the crowd respond? In verse 25 it says, And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So blame is like a hot potato, right? It's tossed from Judas to religious leaders to Pilate. And now all of the crowd, all of the people say, We're going to take all the guilt on us. And the irony couldn't be stronger. Jesus who turned the other cheek, but the crowd wants an innocent person brutally murdered and tortured. And did you notice something? Five times in verse 26 to 27, crowd is mentioned. But right here, if you noticed, the word changed. It's not crowd anymore, it's people. And this is significant because that word people is often used for the nation of Israel. God's people. The nation of Israel is asking for God to judge them as they crucify God's Messiah. And you know when that came true? Well, firstly, it came true at 70 AD. You know what happened at 70 AD? That same generation that betrayed, that um, released Barabbas and asked Jesus to be crucified were destroyed. When at 70 AD, the Romans came through, they surrounded the the, the city, they waited till they were all starving and, and actually cannibalizing each other. And then they went and they burnt the whole city to the ground. And many children, as they were saying, their blood be on us and on our children. Many children were killed. And many were taken into exile. They got what they asked for. And in asking for Jesus' blood, they were put to a miserable death. Now returning to our passage, we read in our final verse, verse 26. Then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And this brings us to our fourth irony. A guilty murderer was set free while the only innocent man was murdered. 
The people chose to embrace a man of violence instead of the Prince of Peace. The murder of Jesus is the most spectacular sin in all of history. And we must find ourselves crying out, how could God let this happen? Well, at this point, I think it's worth pointing out, there's a word that was repeated a couple of times. You probably missed it. It's the word release. It's repeated in verse 17 and verse 26 about Barabbas. And I don't know if you know, but in Leviticus 16, this idea of releasing is picked up. It's the Day of Atonement where God, the sins of the nation of Israel are atoned for or paid for by two goats. In verse 10 of Leviticus 16, there's a goat called the scapegoat and it was to be left alive and it was released into the wilderness. And in and the second, in verse 15, called the sin offering, was to be killed that its blood might cleanse the sins of God's people. Did, did you catch it? Barabbas is acting as the scapegoat. He's the one that gets to go free. And Jesus is the sin offering. And here is irony number five. Jesus saves us from the penalty of our crimes by taking our place on the cross. Jesus is like the Prime Minister of Ukraine, refusing to be removed from harm's way to fight for his people. It wasn't Pilate, it wasn't the priest, it wasn't Barabbas, it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the the cross. It was Jesus' love for you. Because Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all guilty. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. We can never wash our hands of the guilt that we deserve, just like Barabbas. If there was a fair trial, we would all be sentenced to death. And so in Barabbas, we actually get a glimpse of ourselves, what we deserve, and what Christ offers to those who trust in him. Now, did you notice Barabbas doesn't say anything here? He doesn't say, I'm innocent, or I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do things to to you know, work my way out of it. I'll make it right. He's simply a recipient of grace, which is God's free, unmerited kindness. Barabbas is the first person Jesus saved by going to the cross. And since then, millions of people have been released from death from all nations. I remember a time when I had a similar swap happen for me. This was before I was a Christian. I used to take my mum's car out driving at night when I wasn't, didn't have a licence. And I remember one time I was going through the streets, like just swerving everywhere, I couldn't drive. And a cop car started chasing us through the streets. And so, okay, if I get pulled over, I don't have a license, it's not good for me. But my friend Ben, he's actually a year older than me, he had a license. So we swerved around a corner, then we swerved another corner, and quickly, as the car was driving, we traded places. Right? And then we slowed down, and the police officer pulled us over, and he went to the driver's side door, we both got out, and he absolutely went off at my mate Ben for how he was driving. He took the punishment for me that day. Whereas if it was me, without a license, it was going to be really bad for me, right? And in a similar way, we've been driving recklessly. Like, we have been driving away from God. And like my friend Ben, Jesus trades places with us. We might stop and wonder if Barabbas was affected by Jesus taking his place. Whether he went on to live the same life or if his freedom led him to live differently. We don't know. What we do know is Barabbas literally experienced what we can experience spiritually when we trust in Jesus. So if you haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus, just remember 
He's already offered to take your place. So why not receive that gift today? I recall a story of a prostitute who called a bunch of different churches to ask if she could be forgiven. She called the Buddhist temple and the monk there said, sin's just an illusion. But she knew her guilt. No, it was real guilt. That wasn't enough. So she called the Roman Catholic priest. The Roman Catholic priest said, just do penance. Work your way out of the sin. But she knew no matter how hard she worked, she was never going to work her way out of the sin she committed. So she called uh, a, temp- uh, a mosque. She asked the imam there, could I be forgiven? He said, well, we don't know. We hope Allah is merciful, but we can never know. She had no confidence there. And then she called um, a, a, a church, Christian church, called the pastor. Can I be forgiven? And then his answer was, will God punish the same sin twice? Will God punish the same sin twice? And she answered, no. Well then, trust in Christ and come to church and you can sit with me in the front row because we're all sinners here. And that offers for you as well. God will not punish the same sin twice. If he takes it out on his son, then you can be released from death. But what if you have been released and what if you have received this gift? What will you do with your second chance? Well, imagine if every day we woke up and reminded ourselves we were Barabbas, that we are a free person in Jesus. I almost think if I was to get a tattoo, I'd probably get a tattoo of Barabbas because who, who better to represent me than Barabbas, a guilty person who's been released by grace? How might having Barabbas tattooed on your forehead so you see it every morning, how would that change the way you think about each day? I reckon one way to think about it, I don't know if you know of Mr. Beast, right, the YouTuber. Now, he gives away heaps of money. He's pretty much famous for giving away money, right? And you might have uh, seen his Squid Game video where he, the winner was received $623,000. How do I say that? $623,000? Yeah, which is like 456 American dollars, right? How would you feel if Mr. Beast gave you all of that money, right? As a gift. I know you'd probably donate it to Spark. I appreciate that. But you'd be super thankful, right? You probably want to promote his YouTube channel. And you'd do stuff on, that, on YouTube probably to show your appreciation him, right? Get his merchandise, whatever. Well, the point is, we should live a life that shows our appreciation for a much greater gift than what Mr. Beast offers on YouTube. We were bought with a high price. And therefore, we should live in a way that reflects our gratitude for his sacrifice. And so, like Pip, we should wake up every morning on our calendar together. Um, she has this written every morning. Good morning, Lord. What have you got planned for me today and how can I be involved? It should change our attitude so each day we want to live for Jesus to, make our, to live a life that's worthy of the sacrifice he made for us. Let's pray that we might do that now. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we are Barabbas and we have done nothing deserving your sacrifice. We just deserve death. But that through Jesus, he's, he's made the swap so that we can be forgiven. And so help us to make the most of the second chance we've received, if we have received Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And if we haven't yet, well, help us trust in him and receive that free gift. In Jesus' name, amen.